Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. I'm so excited to have Gabriel Seidman as a guest on the Center in the City podcast. Gabriel and I go way back Uh, like 17 years back, we have a mutual best friend in common. And back in the fall, our mutual best friend was telling me that Gabriel was heading up to upstate New York to have what he called was a Wade's self-care experience. And from that moment, I knew I wanted to learn more about his intentions, what he was designing, what he was creating, what his takeaways were. I'm excited to dive deep into his digital detox experience. A little bit more background on Gabriel. He has a doctorate of public health with a focus on health management and policy. Before the pandemic, he was living in Rwanda. And since the pandemic, he is back home in New Jersey and focusing on COVID health and economic responses. I wanted to bring up this conversation around digital detox, our relationship technology, slowing down, trying to untangle from our busyness, because what we talk about in this episode with Gabriel today is similar to what a lot of people are experiencing. Studies have shown that an average adult in America is spending about 13 hours per day on screens since COVID emerged, and that's up a few hours in the last years. This just does not feel sustainable. And as Gabriel shares in this episode, you know, he started to feel some physical symptoms from it. And there's this joke that is going around, I think it's a cartoon on The New Yorker, that's like, do I live at work or do I work from home? The lines are so blurred and they're continuing to be blurred, especially as we are still in this gray area of what does the new normal look like? So enjoy listening to this podcast episode. I hope you walk away with some insights and tips about how you can maybe be in relationship with technology in a more supportive way. And feel free to reach out if you have questions or comments. I love hearing from you. So settle in and enjoy. Gabriel, welcome to the Center of the City podcast. Thank you for having me, Wade. It's good to be here. I want to start how I start with all of my guests. I'd love to hear what your definition of self-care is and Mm -hmm. how it currently, what that looks like for you right now, especially as we enter the one-year mark of COVID. So before I jump in, I just want to say thanks for having me. It's like very exciting for me. And I was reflecting earlier today, I think you and I had a conversation 
when you were starting your business like eight years ago or something like that about like what would it look like to create your own content and blogs and thought leadership and so now coming full circle on that and like participating in that is really 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 exciting for me um so I guess that's a way of saying congrats and also thank you. Oh, I love um, that. I love that you have that memory. Uh, I don't even remember where it was. I just remember having that conversation at some point. So um, self-care for me is at a very fundamental level. It's just about being conscious of needing to take care of myself. And what I do for self-care is sometimes less important than just being conscious and intentional about doing something for self-care, right? Mm-hmm. And just remembering to step back and say, okay, I'm not just going to get caught up in the swarm of work that's going on right now or the swarm of, you know, pre-COVID, like I was traveling a lot for work and sort of this, the, the sort of hustle and bustle of that um, and just being, you know, mindful. Uh, I know that's obviously a big a buzzword sort of in the self-care space, but mindful about taking a step back and doing something for myself um, to take care of myself. And, you know, that looks different. You know, I don't have like one set thing that I do every day, um, but it's about having that, uh, that specific intentional moment or, or activity. Mm. So I'm hearing self-care is that moment of checking in to notice Mm -hmm. what do I need and how can you be intentional with supporting yourself, filling that need? Yep. And what would you say you typically notice you hear yourself need? It's a good question. I think it's probably needing to get out of my head, right? Either getting out of my head or taking pressure off of myself, mostly from a work perspective. You know, I, as you know, I'm a bit of a workaholic. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and I care a lot about my work. I spend a lot of time on my work, you know, because I have to, but also because I want to, but remembering that that's not everything. That's not my whole identity. That's just a part of who I am and um, taking care of myself to sort of have an identity and uh, a self outside of just work, which of course comes with stress and anxiety and all of those kinds of things. So for those that don't know Gabriel, uh, I I would say, and you would probably agree with my definition, you're a little bit on the type A spectrum. I would say I'm a lot on the type A spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us what that gets to look like in your personal and professional life. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with some positives, right? I'm very conscientious. I'm very organized. Like, I'm the friend who always texts back, right? I have a group of friends who are, we're all very close, um, but a couple of them are pretty flaky and they call me like the glue because I'm just the one who like schedules Zooms for us to all get together, right? I'm not the most important friend in the group. I'm just like the one who's organized enough to like find a time when everyone's available. Um, From a work perspective, you know, I work a lot of hours in the day. I have always taken like professional and academic success very seriously. Um, I get pretty worked up and upset if I experience something that feels like failure or rejection to me. Um, I definitely like ruminate on things a lot that 
feel like they're not going well. And I, I work, I'd say I work really hard. Mm -hmm. And I just want to jump in to say, there are no like negatives and positives of type of type A. They're all beautiful parts of you that just get to make up part of your inner drive. One of the reasons I want to bring you onto the podcast is because I know you as someone who works really hard, who's super focused, who's super motivated. When I heard that you were creating this digital detox experience for yourself, I got really excited to learn more. You have a lot of shared and knowledgeable perspectives. So I'd love to hear what, first of all, inspired you to take a digital detox. And just for reference, you did this digital detox back in October, right? For for three weeks? Yeah. So I took a month of vacation from work and was fully offline for three or three and a half weeks of that and sort of came back on into the digital world, you know, four or five, six days before I re-entered, came back from my vacation and, and all of that. Um, so sort of what inspired me to do it, maybe I'll take a step back and sort of give context on where I was in my life, right? So Yeah, please. Um, so I was living abroad before the pandemic. I was living in Africa. I was living in Rwanda. Um, some people may know where that is, some may not. Um, and basically came home to the U.S. on 24 hours notice when things were going crazy. I think I landed in the U.S. on March 14th or 15th. Um, I literally packed my bags all in like one day, basically. Um, and almost immediately started working in a professional capacity on COVID response sort of globally and in a couple countries in Africa specifically. Um, and I remember our like kickoff project for this or our kickoff call for my project was like Friday night at 8.30 PM. And like my, you know, I care a lot about work-life balance. My boss cares a lot about work-life balance. Like I don't work in a culture where that's a normal thing, mm -hmm. but we were kind of like, things are going crazy. It's all hands on deck. Like we're getting on a call now. We're going to figure out what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So we got on the phone at 8.30 PM on a Friday night. This was like, you know, the Friday after I got back to the States. So six or seven days later. And from there, I basically just didn't stop working for four or five months, right? Like we were doing COVID emergency response, all hands on deck. Um, and a lot of my work was around sort of synthesizing all of the research and new findings and new information that was coming out on COVID in a very, you know, daily basis and, and fast helping pace. very fast paced um, and helping get that to policymakers to take sort of real time decisions as they were thinking about trade-offs um, for their COVID response. So I worked basically seven days a week or five and a half to six and a half days a week for three or four months. And um, I basically lived on Zoom. I continue to live on Zoom. Um, it was a different platform for a couple of weeks. I was very happy when my firm rolled out Zoom and we got, we got approved to use that. Um, and so I like never really left my computer. And I am very comfortable spending a lot of time in meetings, you know, in workshops, on conference calls. That's what my job was like anyway, but just sort of sitting in one place and just looking at the same screen and looking at my face on the screen and also like being in a mode of, you know, I'm sort of habitually always checking my phone. 
and I was habitually checking my phone all the time while I was sitting in front of my computer screen, which was not necessary, but was basically just fully tethered to multiple devices all the time. Work slowed down and um, over the summer. And then basically because of sort of an HR logistical glitch at work, I had four weeks of vacation that I basically had to use all at once and wanted to use all at once. And I was kind of like, if I'm ever going to try and do something like this and have my like, you know, my grandma called it my my Walden moment, right? Like go off to a cabin in the woods. Now is the time to do it, right? So I basically said, I'm taking these four weeks of vacation. I couldn't really travel. Like I couldn't go off on some exotic vacation anyway. And I fortunately have a very good friend who is also a very good friend of yours, Wade, who Mm -hmm. um, lives up in, or she has a place up in the Catskills. And I basically rented an Airbnb and went up there for a month. So that was sort of the backstory and inspiration for this. It was partially to detox from work, but it was also partially like, it felt like a bit of a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something like this. Yeah. So like you got granted kind of from force of nature and mm-hmm. it sounds like because you needed it, but you mm-hmm. got granted, okay, you had to use these four weeks of vacation and you don't have, you know, little children or, or a family to kind of negotiate that with. So you were able to just kind of say, I'm going to do whatever I want yep. with these four weeks. So what motivated you to do a digital detox for, it sounds like those three and a half weeks before you transitioned back? Cause you could have so easily been like, great, I'm going to rent a cabin in the woods and I'm just going to like binge watch all my favorite movies and, you know, spend some time doing blah, 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 you know? So really where did that commitment for the digital detox come from? Yeah. So I think I was feeling a need for it on a very physical level, like in my body, right? Like Mm -hmm. the eye strain associated with Zoom and Zoom fatigue, right? Um, The exhaustion of like, not like only talking to people, not in person, right? Like I was feeling physically tired from the screens. Um, I also, I'm not sure if you know this actually, but I also try and turn off um, electronics basically for 24 hours a week, which is Friday night, Saturday night. So I, I'm Jewish. It's sort of like a Jewish tradition and custom to Shabbat. not do any, yeah, to do not do any work on Shabbat, right? My personal take on that, because I'm not very religious, I'm not orthodox. My personal take on that is I basically live my life in airplane mode for 24 hours per week. So I actually allow myself to use my phone to like take pictures, but no data or Wi-Fi or anything comes in or out. And I find that to be a very restorative practice for myself. And so the digital detox for the month was kind of like that on steroids, right? It was taking this restorative practice that I have and that I do on a very routine basis and doing you know that at 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0. Um, and I always joke with people, I always say like, when everyone's like, oh, can I Snapchat you or Instagram you? And I'm not on any of those things. Like I always joke with people that my main goal in life is to minimize the number of things I have to check, right? Mm. And so this was like also that to the extreme. I had nothing to check um, for a couple of weeks. And how did you design your detox time? Like what mm-hmm. was the process in which, you know, because saying I'm going to shut things off for 24 hours is very different than three and a half weeks. So how did you 
set up communication beforehand to people? And then what did you do when you weren't on technology, which for some people listening to this might be like mind blowing? (laughs) Yeah. So one thing like logistically that I did was, which was basically the thing that made this whole experience and made it work is I got a flip phone. I literally went to AT&T. I bought like the phone that, you know, it was probably the same phone I had when I was in middle school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a new number for the flip phone. I think the phone cost the Motorola the, ones. Yeah. It was, it was one of those, like it was the black flip phone. I was like T9 texting. Right. Yeah. I got a new phone number and I gave that number to my mom, my dad, my grandma, my brother, and my one friend who I was visiting. So logistically people had a way of getting in touch with me. If I had an emergency, I had a way of coordinating with my one friend, uh, Amy, who I was staying near and who I was seeing on a pretty regular basis. I had a way to set an alarm without opening my iPhone. Right. And so I could do all the very basic functions that I needed without actually having ever having to open up my iPhone. So that could literally sit in a drawer for, for the three weeks in terms of setting up my time, like on a day-to-day basis, like I would coordinate with my friend and we'd sort of pick days we'd see each other and pick days we wouldn't see each other. And other than that, I read a lot. Um, I got old school and like went to the visitor center in the town I was staying in. And like the lady at the visitor center gave me maps of like trails I could go to Mm. and things like that. Um, Occasionally, like if we were, if I was like going on an adventure with my friend, like she might Google map something or might look up something. But other than that, like I got a list of trails. I got a list of recommended restaurants that I could like go get takeout from. Um, But there wasn't that much to do in the area where I was. So it was mostly like, go find those handful of points of interest. And other than that, like go for a lot of walks, take a lot of pictures, do a lot of working out. um, And I read a lot. I think I read, I read 15 books in a month. Yeah. Okay. And how did you feel the first few days, maybe even first week while you're in the detox? Yeah. So, you know, people talk about after you have an amputation and I've never experienced this myself, but after you have an amputation, they talk about the experience of having a phantom Mm -hmm. limb where Mm -hmm. like you feel your arm, even though you don't actually have your arm. I felt like I had a phantom limb with my iPhone. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, it was in, in my mind, it was on my night table or charging at my desk or whatever. And I would go to look for it and go to check for it. And it was almost this like thing that was hardwired into my central nervous system. So I, I had that physical feeling of, uh, of looking for technology, the instinct around looking for technology. Yes. Um, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. And then I also, it also took me a couple of days to just like rev down from work. And I think that's pretty normal for me in general, like from a, just going on vacation in general. Like, I don't know if that's specific to the digital detox. Um, and it was, it was confusing in some ways. Like I'd wake up eight, nine, 10 o'clock, whatever. If it was a day I wasn't going to see someone or socialize with someone, sort of be like, okay, now what, mm-hmm. right? You ha- I have the whole day to myself. There's not a ton I can do. I can't even really go to restaurants or anything like that. And there was a bit of like, of now what, which was really, really um, interesting. And, and sometimes, honestly, sometimes it was hard. Yeah. And going back to self-care. So like your definition of self-care is 
to listen to self and what you need. And so in those moments, how, when you have so much space, right? And time and space become our biggest typical excuses and constraints around how do we practice sustainable self-care in our modern world? And so you, here you are with an abundance of time and space. How did you listen to self and honor self in those moments? So I, I the, the silly answer is like, I really love to nap. And like, I let myself do that, which was yeah. great. Um, I mean, I'm pretty good about letting myself do that on the weekends and when I have free time. But, you know, obviously during the work week, that doesn't really happen. Um, so let myself do that. Um, I was pretty, I think I was pretty conscientious about like what I ate and I made sure I worked out. Um, I made sure I spent like a lot of time in nature and it was the perfect time to be in upstate New York as the leaves were changing. Mm. Um, I am pretty bad about having like I really like to keep a journal and write but I'm pretty bad about keeping a routine about it um, and after some time I realized like that's actually quite a good way to fill a bit of time and for some reason I always have this this resistance to doing it like my there's something in me that's like oh I don't want to do this but mm. after a couple of weeks I realized like oh like this is actually a good way to like fill 30 minutes and then 30 minutes would actually turn into 45 or 60 or 90 minutes. Um, there was an essay that came out at the beginning of the pandemic by Zadie Smith, I think that's called something to do. And she basically says like, why do we write? Like it's something to do. Um, and I, so I did some writing, which was something to do. Um, the other thing that came up in terms of like listening to myself, and this was, probably the most surprising thing for me of the whole experience was um, because like as much as we complain about the hustle and bustle of work and the grind and all of that like I get a lot of meaning and fulfillment and enjoyment from that and that mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I don't know what the right word is I don't want to say distracts me but sort of that fills up a lot of space in my head which means there's not a lot of room in my head for like other random things. Mm -hmm. And so with all of that gone, I started to be much more aware of some of the quote unquote voices in my head of other things that I worry about and scared about, care about, matter to me, which I think I hadn't been paying attention to because I didn't even have like the the time or energy or even awareness to know that I should be paying attention to them because I didn't even really know they were there, mm -hmm. right? Um, I was at a pretty specific place sort of in my career and professionally, and I'd gotten some bad news professionally a couple months earlier. And so like I spent, like there's a lot of that coming up right now. I think it'd be really interesting if I was like gifted another month now when you know things are obviously different at work now and things will be different at work six months from now if I was gifted another month, just at any point in my career, what thoughts and what sort of almost like automatic thoughts um, would start rising to the surface, but which have been sort of like buried in the muck of just like the day-to-day -day grind? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious, are you a meditator or do you incorporate 
any mindfulness, whether it's formal practice or informal practice into your life prior to the digital detox? I'm not a meditator. I like, sometimes I'll do some deep breathing. Like if I'm worked up and just like, you're, you're like, you're at a two and you need to be at a one, right? right. Like I'll regulate do some, do that nervous deep system. Deep yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I'm definitely not someone who like wakes up every day and does my 30 minutes of yoga. Like there was like a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago when I was like, Oh, now I'm going to get into yoga because I like had a very minor injury and like couldn't do other exercise. Um, I was like, Oh, I love this. And now of course I'm not doing it again, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely nowhere in the same realm as you are in terms of mindfulness and meditation and all that. Well, that's, you know, that's not comparing, but why, (laughs) why I ask is because that the slowing down to hear yourself and hear Mm -hmm. those deeper thoughts or worries or likes or dislikes or reflections or, or ruminations that is like part of the practice in meditation is to give ourselves that spaciousness to to hear ourselves on the deeper level so that we can kind of clear the clutter or make sense or just understand ourselves or understand each other a little bit clearer. And we live in these modern day lives that are so fast and so congested with notifications and scheduling and back to back and travel or, you know, zoom travel or, you know, whatever it is that we sometimes just get into that, um, kind of hamster wheel feeling where we're then not checking in with ourselves. And so can I ask you a, can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. I'm going to use this to get a little bit of free advice. Yeah. Um, that makes sense to me sometimes hearing yourself really sucks, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes like, I don't necessarily want want to make that space. Mm-hmm. I think this is sort of similar to what I was trying to describe, not so articulately on why I don't write sometimes. Like sometimes I don't want to have to work through those things. Sometimes it's just like easier to pretend they're not there and sweep them under the rug. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about how you think about like, I understand how people make room for the practice, but sometimes I don't want to make room for the practice. I totally hear you. And I really appreciate that comment and question. And first of all, I just want to say like meditation is not for everybody. It is not a pill I try to shove down people's throats. It has been a practice that has changed my life. And when people are curious about it and want to deepen it, I love supporting people on that journey. And I kind of come from the belief that what we resist in life persists. So it's going to show up at some point and maybe we're not ready to face it or listen to it or want to heal it or get to know it or be with it. And I think that's okay. Like the timing will be when we're ready and we have to meet ourselves where we are. We don't have to push ourselves into healing or push ourselves into something we're not ready for, but there is growth in those moments of uncomfortableness. And maybe we titrate it. You know, as you just said, Mm. like maybe you don't spend an hour meditating or journaling, but you titrate it with 10 minutes or two minutes or just one sentence or, you know, whatever it might be. From my personal experience, just know the benefit of being able to hear and see myself on a deeper level. That supports me not then going down the rabbit holes as much because I can start to understand, you know, what's a story in my mind? What's a rumination in my mind? And, you know, what's the present moment? And where do I want to put my focus and attention? So I hope that 
Does that answer? Yeah, no, that's that's great. Yeah, no, I appreciate you indulging me. Yeah, no, no, I love the question. And I want to circle back to something you said about the phantom arm with technology with your Mm -hmm. iPhone. Because when I went on my first silent meditation retreats, we're not allowed to have technology. We're not allowed to speak. We're not allowed to read and we're not allowed to write. And I had one meditation teacher describe it as if you're reading, you're reading somebody else's story. And if you're writing, you're getting trapped in your own story. And what we're practicing on the meditation retreat is being present and coming back to that. And I noticed in the beginning, there was so much resistance to being present. And I like fucking do this shit, you know, all the time (laughs) and love this stuff and love teaching it and holding space around it. But I felt so much resistance settling into those first few days of the retreat. And I noticed I couldn't sleep well. My mind was even louder than it was before. And I've never had trouble sleeping. And it took a few days to like settle my nervous system, you know, settle and notice that like the stimulation of just looking at a tree and like the leaves shining in the light or the wind blowing is more beautiful than watching a Netflix show or looking at Instagram or whatever. And I started to realize like that was the stimulation that was nourishing and fulfilling. And like, I could then spend hours just feeling the breeze on my face, you know, or feeling the grass under my feet. And, you know, it sounds like hippy dippy when I, when I hear myself say it out loud, but it's just, it's so elemental. And we've, I've noticed we've lost that in our modern day world. Yeah. I had, this is not exactly the same, but I think there's a, there's a parallel experience when I was on my digital detox. I I think at the longest I went without seeing another human being in a social context, you know, not including like someone like the, like the woman at the cash register at the grocery store, I think was five days, which is a pretty significant stretch of time, right? It was like a, a, like a long weekend, basically. I was so much more grateful Mm. for my social interactions that I had when I had them, right? And they sort of broke up the time and broke up the day. They were in some ways harder for me because it was like, oh, now I have to go do this thing as opposed to always being sort of on, which I spend a lot of my day on, right? Just Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom call. But I was also much more grateful for just like, oh, I get to like sit and have dinner with these people now, right? And mm. that was double, I was doubly grateful because in in the COVID context, right? That's hard to do in general, but I was sort of in this bubble with, you know, four friends and I sort of taking that away made me really grateful for the stimulation and sort of notice the importance of that stimulation, which sometimes we get like the crappy version of that stimulation from the, you know, from the WhatsApp message. But it's so much more meaningful when it's authentic and in person and, and real and not just a transactional kind of digitally mediated kind of interaction. Yeah. So like the more nourishing, meaty, social versus the just like kind of quick hits that we get. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you notice at the end of your digital detox. I noticed that, so I turned on my phone on a, whatever I'm certain. I actually turned on my phone like one or two days earlier, my, my iPhone, because I misplaced my burner phone, my flip phone. Um, and like try was trying to call it and whatever. I immediately couldn't stop scrolling. Like mm-hmm. it was just like, you've taken the drug away from me for a couple of weeks. And then I got a taste of it. And like, I was just rehooked. Right. 
So for me, that was like a really good learning of like trying to like reduce my phone time by 10 or 20% feels like a fool's errand to me, right? Like the addiction is there and like I'm, I've got it in my day. And so for me, that made my Friday night to Saturday night, 24 hours without my phone or without data or internet that much more important to me mm-hmm. um, going forward. There are nice benefits to your phone, right? Like Google Maps is very convenient, right? So I was grateful for the conveniences. T9 texting sucks. And like <laughs> having a touchscreen was very nice. So it was nice to come back, but I also felt like not thrilled about some of the things and recognized that I'm not going to be able to avoid them and sort of accepted the fact that at some points I'm just going to be stuck to my phone and want to be want to continue to be very mindful and deliberate about creating that separation. Yeah. So what are you doing differently? Or maybe what did you start to do differently after the digital detox as you were integrating back in or say to yourself, okay, these are my takeaways from the digital detox and I'm going to instill this kind of relationship or boundary with my phone and technology. So I don't know if I've got a, a huge difference in terms of my relationship with technology one thing I haven't talked about yet, which is not to answer your question, but on a slightly different note is one thing I've been wanting to do for a long time, but hadn't created space for was to write more in a sort of like quasi-professional set, like basically blog about professional topics um, and had never really done that before. Always was scared of, around like, I have nothing interesting to say, or like, I don't know how to do this, right? Um but I do work in public health. I am trained in public health. Like it is a very interesting time in public health. And so I figured like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take a swing at this, I'm going to take a swing at it. Now I had spoken to a couple of friends about it before I went on my detox. And that was one thing, like I said, a, a very intentional goal about like some things I wanted to achieve in my writing during my detox. One of my friends who I was really grateful for this guidance, she was like, come up with some themes you want to write about, right? So you don't have to write essays, but write like, what are going to be your themes for the next year? And the one thing that I really changed that I consider a practice now that I'm back is I've made a, a post, uh, made a point of posting something like 500 words, 750 words, once a month. Um, and we're on month four now and I've stuck to it. I'm four of four, which I'm very happy about. Awesome, um, congrats. Yeah, it felt like very reasonable and feasible goal to achieve right mm-hmm. um and i i won't say i couldn't have done it without the digital detox but having that space to think mm-hmm. like i i get why writers retreats and sabbaticals are a thing right i sort of got to experience some of the benefits of of that type of experience mm. so for people who maybe aren't able to leave work for four weeks, but people who are starting to feel maybe some of those physical symptoms and signs that you're saying, like eye fatigue, they feeling the tension and fatigue in their body, um, and they're curious to do a digital detox, what recommendations or tidbits of information would you want to share with them? Yeah, so I... Whenever I tell people I am off my phone for 24 hours on Saturdays, like at least when, when I started to do this, it was maybe three, four years ago, all my friends and my family freaked out. And they were like, what if we need to get in touch with you? What if there's an emergency? And I was like, guess what? Like, I don't have any children and I'm not a medical professional. So if there, you have an emergency, you should not call me. Like you should call somebody else first. Um, and 
then people adjust, I, you know, my friends and family adjusted to it and know like, oh, we just will have to wait till 6 p.m. to call you on Saturdays, right? And they like, it turned out not to be a huge deal at all. Um, I would like, the place I would start is like, just try airplane mode for like a day, right? Airplane mode is a very powerful tool um, and see what happens. I am a big fan of like, experimentation right and like that's a very 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 low risk experiment like you can always turn airplane mode back on if, if it becomes a crisis um i don't i wouldn't say i couldn't have done the digital detox if i hadn't had that practice for three or four years prior but it definitely got me i definitely had a mindset and had an understanding of what it would feel like at least on a very short-term basis to do some kind of digital detox um and not to get very religious, but I do think like the, the practice of rest and deliberate intentional rest, like there is some like ancient wisdom inherent in that. And so I, uh, you know, my faith is pretty important to me. And I think that I, uh, I like that little piece of, you know, my sort of modern twist up on how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Rest is so important, right? We need it to recharge our batteries, just like we need to charge our phone at nights yep. or, you know, during yep. the day. And I would just even add for those listening who are wanting to play with digital detox, even practicing not using your phone as an alarm. It sounds mm-hmm. so simple, but I have always since college, even before college, have used like a little analog, you know, from Target, $10 clock by my bed, because to look at my phone first thing in the morning gives me so much anxiety. And so just even practicing where you can cut out technology or your phone or your laptop, you know, can help kind of untangle from that constant need and an addiction. Yeah. I use the, uh, the, uh, alarm clock that like simulates a sunrise mm-hmm. right like it gradually gets the light Phillips for like one. 30 minutes I don't know what brand it is but okay. it's like it's good I got it on Amazon for like 40 bucks or whatever uh, yeah so there's little things like that I try not to watch tv in bed although I haven't been great about that recently um I'm trying to think if there's anything else like sometimes I like if I'm going for a walk, even if it's like for 20, 30, 40 minutes, like I used to walk and bring my phone so I could listen to Spotify or listen to music while I was going. And then I realized I was checking my phone just because I had it with me, right? So just being like, okay, I'm not going to listen to music. I'm going to just be with myself uh, instead. Those kinds mm. of things I think are, that's been, that's, I, I like that as well. That's beautiful. Thank you, Gabriel, so much for sharing your story and your takeaways and your experience if people want to learn more about you and what you're up to and what you're writing where can people find you so i just like i mentioned i've just started writing blog posts and stuff i've i am posting them on medium my medium is like just my first name and last name so it should be pretty easy to find and i think there's three or four things on there right now so it's not that not that substantive yet i don't think i have any followers i'm just sort of putting stuff out into the universe and we'll see what happens um but I would love for people to check that out and get in touch if they have comments or thoughts on the stuff I've been putting out there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Of course, it's always amazing to see you and hear hear what you're up to. Likewise. Thanks so much for listening to the Center of the City podcast. If you know of a great guest for our show, 
feel free to send an email to team at centeredinthecity.org or sign up for my newsletter at wade at wadebrill.com. And of course, you can always check 